Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashoms in Abuja, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we analyse the latest round of qualifiers for the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations. Great joy here in Zimbabwe as the country qualifies for the Nations Cup finals for the third time. I don't know how can I explain. It's awesome, brilliant, everything beautiful. On the other hand, teams out of the race include South Africa, a nation that seems to be underachieving. We talked to their goalkeeper Itumelen Kune, who says the players don't need to go to Europe, even though they might improve if they did. For us to be able to move overseas when you're not going to earn what you think you deserve, it's not worth it. And also, we talk about Euro 2016, what to expect at the European Championship, and we point out a few players there who could have been representing African nations, such as Belgium's Marouane Fellaini and Christian Benteke. Well, that's all coming up, but we start with a look at the very sad news that former Nigeria coach and captain Stephen Keshi died on Wednesday at the age of 54. Keshi was one of only two men to win the Africa Cup of Nations, both as a player and a coach. He also managed Togo and Mali, qualifying Togo for the 2006 World Cup. And he was a champion of the cause of African coaches, as he expressed strong views that African coaches are as good as European coaches, but not treated with the same level of respect. So Solomon is in Nigeria, in Abuja. Such sad news, Solomon. The passing away of、uh, legendary Stephen Okechukwu Keshi is really、uh, sad for Nigeria. Very shocking. Uh, people waking up on Wednesday morning with the news that he has passed away from a suspected heart attack, and also remember that a year ago he lost his wife Kate,、uh, who died in the United States.、Uh, and it is really sad because Stephen Keshi represents not just、uh, football, but he also represents leadership in football. He was a great leader,、uh, you know, coming up through the ranks in Nigeria, playing in Nigeria for. Uh, Bendel Insurance and NNB in Benin before he moved to Cote d'Ivoire, where he played for Stella FC. He's one of the first Nigerians to play、uh, their football in Europe, where he joined Anderlecht in、uh, Belgium, where he he really got to a place where he actually captained them, played in France, and then captained Nigeria to the World Cup in 1994, captained Nigeria to success in the 1994 Africa Cup of Nations. Only one of the few ex-players that went on to coach their Their national team to success in the Africa Cup of Nations. So he made history when he coached Nigeria a two victory、uh, in the Africa Cup of Nations. After doing that as a player,、uh, he was able to do that as a coach, and also he represented Nigeria both in the World Cup and also in the Africa Cup of Nations, winning it. So he represents quite a quite a lot. You know, for me, I remember growing up. You know, I used to watch him quite a lot as that central defender. You know, always wearing his number four jersey, giving instructions. 
instructions and they call him the big boss because he has a lot of leadership attributes he is someone that would motivate a team even if the team is not good enough even when the team is not playing very well but he would uh, you know motivate them to have some sort of a self belief in themselves see he's someone who is humble i will, i've been privileged to interview him a few times and he's someone who is very open uh, someone who uh, you know goes on and and and, and really believe in african football uh, you know someone who believes that you know african football can can be taken to greater heights he's a huge huge motivation someone who stood for those who uh, are, are oppressed or don't get justice you know i remember him captain in the super eagles and he's always uh, there always there to make sure that the FA you know compensate the players in a great way not just take advantage of them so he was always in the, in the media always in the news as a player because he he was standing for what is true but he showed great leadership qualities he showed that look uh, you know he loves the game of football he's someone that would talk about football all day he's someone that would really sit down and analyze games and and he lives for football you know he really lives for football i hope that he would be remembered here in nigeria and and across the african continent he's not just a lost for nigeria he's a loss for the african continent he will be remembered you know as as a great person as a great footballer as a great coach and also uh, as a great citizen of nigeria and also of africa you know and i do hope that you know we 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 know that life is is about living a life that is going to be worthy of emulation by others when we die you know what are you going to leave behind what sort of legacy are you going to leave behind for your family for your nation what are you going to be remembered for uh, uh, are the things that you're going to be remembered for going to be are things that are right you know morally right or morally wrong what sort of legacy do we want to live because every one of us is going to die someday but we really have to think about our lives make sure that we're not living for ourselves that we're living for a community we're living for other people we're loving other people we're supporting other people we're serving other people because that's what life is really all about at the end of the day that's what counts after you die you know uh, when you die you definitely are going to have an option of going to heaven or, or hell you know what would you do now that is going to put you, you know, on the path to go into heaven uh, because, you know, there is life after that and, and we have to uh, make sure we embrace it. So to a late coach, Stephen Okechuku Keshi, uh, may your soul rest in peace uh, and we do hope that we will meet someday uh, in great eternity. Absolutely, and uh, we've had a lot of tributes to Stephen Keshi on WhatsApp and on Facebook. Abri Kante in The Gambia says, Rest in peace, big boss. He was truly an icon of Nigerian football. Cyril Yomba in The Gambia says, To be honest, that man was a great hero for the Super Eagles squad of 1994. Barnabas Ande in Nigeria says, Sleep on, big boss. I remember him lifting the Nations Cup in Tunisia in 1994 and how he didn't celebrate after winning it as coach in 2013. I believe losing his wife late last year traumatised him a lot and he couldn't recover from it, says Barnabas. Desmond Tunde Koka in Sierra Leone says it's a great loss for African football. Keshi was a winner and a champion. Africa will miss him and Nigeria will miss him. My memories were when he won the Africa Cup of Nations in 2013 in difficult circumstances with the country's football federation. Khalifa Jabi in the UK says legends never die. You are still with the world. Rest in peace, big boss. Emmanuel Ejike Prince says it's still unbelievable, but it's true. Keshi is no more. 
Yeah, it's real shock news. And for me, qualifying Togo to the 2016 World Cup was an astonishing achievement by Stephen Keshi. I wonder if even Pep Guardiola or Jose Mourinho could have done that. Stephen Keshi, a true legend. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Let's go to the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers now. And the road to Gabon 2017 has taken a few more twists and turns in the latest round of qualifiers. The standout story after last weekend's games was that of Guinea-Bissau, apparently qualifying for the first time in their history before Zambia lodged a protest. Well, on last week's show, we spoke to Guinea-Bissau coach Basiro Kande, who said that qualifying would be like a second independence for the West African nation of around 1.7 million people. But Zambia, who lost 3-2 to Guinea-Bissau, have lodged an appeal with the Confederation of African Football, and the grounds seem to be that Zambia believed that Guinea-Bissau used a goalkeeper who was not eligible to play. So we'll see what happens with that story. Well, there were huge celebrations here in Zimbabwe as Zimbabwe qualified for the Nations Cup finals for just the third time after beating Malawi by three goals to nil. This was an amazing story as Zimbabwe encountered many problems throughout the campaign. In fact, before the first game away to Malawi, the Zimbabwe team went on strike over unpaid allowances and they refused to go to the airport for their flight. They eventually had to travel by bus and arrived just 12 hours before kickoff in Malawi, but managed to win that game 2-1. Then after two matches, coach Callista Pasua was fired, despite having got four points from the first two games, but he was reinstated two days later. He threatened then to quit on several occasions as he hadn't been paid. Then ahead of the next game in March, away against Swaziland, there were allegations that match fixers had been trying to pay the Zimbabwe team to lose. But the scam was unearthed and dealt with. Zimbabwe then drew away to Swaziland and beat them 4-0 at home and then beat Malawi 3-0 to qualify in style against all the odds. And Warriors striker Cuthbert Malajila spoke to Howard Musanza after the game. I'm the oldest player, if I'm not mistaken, this team. So I'm the happiest person to qualify, to lead these boys also to the AFCON. This is my last chance, if I'm not mistaken. After AFCON, to be my last chance. These boys, they can carry on and do the job. It's been a long time coming. You remember that game when you scored in Malawi, in that 2-1 win, you scored the first goal. Now you put the icing on the cake here. You came on as a second half substitution. You, you got the goal. How are you feeling? We can see the good things are coming back now. These boys, they, they can carry the team, they can do everything. I'm proud of these boys, I'm proud of everyone, I'm proud of the team. I'm proud of my captain to lead this, this team to the Nations Cup. I'm the happiest person, we are happy as a country. 2017, we are there now. There's no need, we don't need favours to others. We, we are there in Gabon. I don't know, how can I explain, it's awesome, brilliant, everything, beautiful. Well, that's Zimbabwe striker Cuthbert Malajila. There was a great excitement here in Harare after qualifying last Sunday. Well, other teams to book their place at the Nations Cup are Egypt, Mali, Ghana, Senegal, Algeria, Cameroon and Morocco, who'd already qualified after the fourth round of games. Uh, what really stands out for you there, Solomon? Well, I think for me, uh, it is uh, always a great pleasure to see uh, former African champions Egypt coming back. I feel Egypt in the last five, six years uh, have suffered so much 
you know, their football. Uh, the political crisis in Egypt has really affected uh, football. And, and I think what Egypt brings to African football is just a sense of competition. And, and Ghana, coming back, Ghana has always been, for me, underachievers. You know, I'm still waiting for Ghana to win the Africa Cup of Nations. Maybe this is going to be their time in Gabon. Uh, but it was good to see them keeping that consistency. One of the most consistent um, teams in Africa in the last 10 years, uh, you know, going to the Soccer World Cup and also are playing well and good to see Cameroon also coming back you know having changed coaches uh, in recent times and, and also some of the players uh, in and out of the team big congratulations of course to uh, Zimbabwe I feel this is the year of Zimbabwean football Zimbabwean uh, women's team has qualified for uh, the uh, Olympic Games already and they're prepare- preparing right now in, in just a couple of months time they're going to be in Rio in Brazil it's something that we can look at and really celebrate because that, that is really what it's all about. Every couple of nations you expect to see, uh, you know, teams that have been there for some time coming in and also competing so well and, and giving their football fans hope. And so congratulations to, uh, to Zimbabwe. Well, thank you very much, uh, Solomon. Yeah, it uh, means so much to people here. There's big uh, economic challenges uh, in the country and the football success does go uh, such a long way uh, to creating excitement in the country. Um, so good news here in Zimbabwe, but uh, a lot of teams are out of the race now. Only the group winners qualify automatically, along with the two best runners-up. Uh, teams that can't make it now include South Africa and the Gambia. South Africa beat the Scorpions 4-0 away. Uh, now, South Africa won the Nations Cup in 1996, and they were runners-up two years later. But they found things difficult over the past 12 years or so. Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba spoke to South Africa goalkeeper Itumalen Kune after the win over the Gambia and asked why they struggled in their first few games in their group this time. To be quite honest, we didn't know much about our opponents and it was so hard for us to know where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are. But when we played all the countries second time around, we know we knew a little bit of them and hence we were able to pull out great performances and great results but uh, we'll keep pushing until the end of the group stages most of us here in west africa we say south african players in south africa they don't want to move on they don't want to go to europe um, <laughs> i think um, in the team it is only jelly and uh, serero who are playing their football outside and you know there, there, there are a lot of challenges like south africa it's in the best 10 leagues in the world and South Africa or South African teams also see football as business and what happens is it's very difficult for players to move because we're earning good money we've got our families in South Africa and for us to be able to move overseas when you're not going to earn what you think you deserve it's not worth it it's not worth it. I was one of the people that were supposed to move uh, last year, June. But the offers that I got, like they didn't excite me. I didn't feel like I needed to move. Because those people wanted me to go out there and get a salary cut. And I was like, no, I can't. I'm earning enough money in South Africa. I'm earning what I deserve in South Africa. So I didn't want to move because I feel like in South Africa... We are almost on the same level as other top leagues, and I decided to stay. Well, that's South Africa goalkeeper Itumalen Kune talking to Mamadou Ba. 
Very interesting comments there, Solomon. Uh, South Africa players would rather stay at home where the money's good rather than going to Europe where they probably develop their game. Do you think this is one of the reasons for South Africa's underachievement? Yes, Steve. I believe that this is uh, one of the major reasons. If you look at uh, South African football historically, some of the players that, that have really excelled for South Africa uh, started in South Africa, uh, maybe played for Kaiser Chiefs, uh, played for Ajax, and, and then later on moved to, to Europe. You know, I'm talking about players like Phil Masenga, who, who at one point played for Bari in the uh, Italian Serie A. I'm talking about a player like Lucas Radebe, who played for Leeds, not just playing for Leeds, but captain Leeds, got, got them to the semifinals of the uh, UEFA Champions League. Benny McCarthy, Steven Pena, you know, those are exceptional players that actually made South Africa really thick. Uh, but they decided to take their football to Europe at a very young age. Um, now, if we have players like Tumalang Kune saying, look, I cannot just go to Europe, Europe because the money is not going to be good. I have to take a pay cut. You know, I cannot just go there because I South Africa is in the top 10 leagues in the world. But South Africa is in the top 10 leagues in the world, not in the sense of the standard of football. We're talking about in the sense of infrastructure. We're talking about in the sense of, uh, you know, revenue from uh, from TV rights. We're talking about in the, the sense of just the whole logistics and organization of the league, which is great and proper. But when you talk about the standard of football, uh, that is where South Africa is lacking. South Africa is not so blessed with talented, natural, ta- naturally talented players like uh, a lot of the countries in, in West Africa. South Africa is not that way. So you have to put a whole lot in football you know, developing the player and the player for the player to develop and be a world beater to be to compete with other players anywhere across the world. The European football is where it's at. You're not just going there just because you, you're searching for money. You're going there, uh, you know, because you, you want to develop as a player. I know players that have taken a, a pay cut. Uh, they sacrifice a lot to go to Europe. And after two years, they hit a big and then they back, you know, earning so much money. And I feel, uh, you know, if we don't sacrifice enough, it's not, we're not going to be able to do that. And we're going to see that affecting uh, a country like Bafana Bafana, like we saw just now. They couldn't qualify for the Africa Cup of Nations. So we, we need to see some sort of encouragement, encouraging these players. I think they have found a comfort zone. They get, they get paid good money. They get paid like uh, 300,000 rand, 400,000 rand a month. You know, I'm, I'm talking about almost maybe like $20,000 or, or even more. So th- that's quite a lot of money for a young player. You know, you buy a house you buy flashy cars do you want to move no you don't want to move but what that does is you know it affects the, the the standard of play for the national team because the south african league is not the strongest league even in africa when it comes to football so maybe the south africa players a bit too comfortable that sort of tells us something about life doesn't it yes very much you know sometimes in life you get you get comfortable you don't want to go out of your comfort zone uh, you know, you want to just stay there. You feel you have enough. You feel uh, you're able to take care of yourself. And sometimes, to be honest with you, you're afraid. You're afraid of failure. Uh, sometimes you're afraid of the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen when you go out. Uh, maybe, you know, you're supposed to go out to look for opportunities, go to a new culture, uh, you know, do something different, try something new, study something different, uh, but, or go into business, you know, quit your job. But a lot of people, you know, it's just about comfort zone. You, you, you just stay in there and, and, and you feel you're, you're okay. 
okay and, and of course you're kind of like okay but don't you want to grow don't you want to experience life in a different dimension and it, it's always important to I, I think the bottom line is not not about what you feel you want to do what people feel you want to do but it's important for you to find out what what is god's plan for you what does god want you to do and a great sense of fulfillment comes from that because you know the, the whole plan is from god and god wants you to be fulfilled Thanks, Solomon, and uh, certainly something to think about. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And now we turn to WhatsApp and Facebook, and it's been a busy week on social media for us with comments on a range of topics. On last week's show, we reported that Atletico Madrid coach Diego Simeone has said he believes that he has failed because he hasn't won the Champions League despite leading the club to two finals in the space of three years. So we asked, do you think the coaches are given unrealistic expectations? Well, Gemo is a Cameroonian living in South Korea. Gemo says reaching the final of the Champions League is a great achievement for a club like Atletico. I think they exceeded expectations and deserve more praise. Gemo adds, I don't think coaches are being given unrealistic expectations, but rather they're given less time to produce good results. Pressure is part of the game and only the best handle it properly. Fode Silla in the Gambia agrees that expectations are realistic as long as resources are made available. Most of the time, a coach is given a target to meet which is normally achievable, says Fode. For example, my team, Manchester United, have more than £250 million to spend on new players and given a target of making it to the top four, so that expectation is not too high. Alan M.J. Campbell in Sierra Leone says Simeone has performed beyond expectations, taking into consideration the budget and expenditure of Atletico in comparison to other clubs in Europe. It's an immense achievement, says Alan. In Africa, the coaches that are under pressure are mostly underperforming. In football, everybody wants to win, and when your team fails to get the expected result, then comes the pressure. And Saman Darbo in the Gambia believes the expectations coaches are given are unrealistic. For example, with Real Madrid, the time of Carlo Ancelotti and Rafa Benitez, they're both great coaches, but sometimes if you're given a particular team to coach, you can fail. Benitez failed as a coach with Madrid, but Ancelotti was successful. They could have given Rafa Benitez some time and he would have got them trophies in the long run. Barnabas Ande in Nigeria agrees. Yes, I think coaches are being given unrealistic expectations these days, he says. Take a look at Benitez with Real Madrid. He got fired after a very bright start. Coaches are not magicians, says Barnabas. Thanks for those views. And on the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, Cyril Yomba from the Gambia says, I'm not impressed with the Scorpions. Coach and Dong needs more time for rebuilding. Yes, the Gambia beaten 4-0 at home by South Africa, ending any faint hopes of reaching the finals. Donald from Cameroon says, I want to congratulate my nation Cameroon for a good fight. I think the new coach is about to build the team for future success, but not now. I think we'll only get to the quarterfinals in Gabon next year. Well, I was telling you about the celebrations here in Zimbabwe earlier as the Warriors sealed their place in the finals with a 3-0 win over Malawi. But in Malawi, it's a different picture. We have no future at all. I'm very sorry, says Alfred Mdimba. We need a new coach and better opportunities for young players. 
And Albert Kadzombe, also in Malawi, agrees. He says we were very disappointed with the performance and the big margin of defeat. Something has to be done. The FA president has to go along with the head coach. So disappointment in Malawi, but a great day on Saturday in Sierra Leone, following the Leone Stars' 1-0 win over Sudan, that keeps their hopes alive of qualification. Desmond Tunde Koka in Sierra Leone says, "Wow, it was so great for us all. There were two days of celebrations in the country." And on next week's show, we'll have a special report from Sierra Leone on the newfound optimism for football in the country and the dramatic turnaround in the fortunes of the Leone Stars. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. Always great to hear from you. This week, we're asking who will win Euro 2016. The 2016 European Championship runs from the 10th of June to the 10th of July, with France hosting with an expanded 24-team format. Giants such as Germany and Spain are joined by smaller teams, including Iceland and Albania. Who do you think will be the champions of Europe? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. And let's focus on Euro 2016 now. Our European football expert Stuart Weir joins us from the UK.、Uh, before we look at who might win it,、uh, there are quite a few players at Euro 2016 who could actually be representing African nations rather than European countries. Yes, I mean there are quite a number with at least an African parent, and France and Belgium are the countries with the high representation. France. I've got Patrice Evra, born in Dakar, Senegal. He's now 35. Spent the last two years at Juventus, so pretty much towards the end of his career. At the other extreme, you have Engola Kante, one of the stars of Leicester City, born in Paris but of parents from Mali, and he's got into the French team this year, and he could be a very significant player. We've got Paul Bogpa, also at Juventus. And his roots are in Guinea, and also Musa Sissoko, born in France but from Mali, played for Newcastle United and was relegated. And、uh, while he's got thirty-eight caps, he usually is used off the bench. That's France. Then now Belgium have a really interesting situation because they've got three African strikers: Divrock Origi. From Liverpool,、uh, son of Mike Origi, who played for Kenya and, of course, also finished his career in Belgium, hence、uh, the the Belgian connections. But you know, Origi has struggled at Liverpool this year, only getting seven starts. And ironically, teammate Christian Benteke, born in Kinshasa, moved from Aston Villa to Liverpool at the beginning of last season, and it really was a bit of a disastrous move for him because he has only got about a third of the games. So, ironically, you've got two Belgian African strikers at Liverpool, but both of them really struggling to get game time. Of course, the main striker they have is Romelu Lukaku, whose father Roger played for Zaire. And then also、uh, spent two years in Belgium.、Uh, now he's had an amazing season, scoring eighteen goals in the Premiership. So we can expect a lot from him. And incidentally, he has got a younger brother, Jordan, who is just on the verge of the Belgian side. He's got four caps this season. So it'd be great if the Lukaku brothers can play together. 
And the other interesting character is Marwan Fellaini, Moroccan parents, and of course he's been at Manchester United this year and has never really established himself. And then finally, Moussa Dembele, whose father is from Mali, you know, he's had a good season with Tottenham and he's played over 65 times from Belgium. And the only other one that I came across is Sami Khedira, who plays for Germany and Juventus. Now, he has a Tunisian father and a German mother, played for Real Madrid and has 60 caps for Germany. And, by the way, he has a younger brother, Rani, who's played for Germany at age group level, but not in the senior team. So a lot of players with African roots playing at Euro 2016. Uh, So who are the leading contenders to win the tournament, Stuart? You know, in terms of who would be the favourites, Steve, if you look at the FIFA ranking, Belgium comes second, Germany fourth, Spain sixth, Portugal eighth. But, you know, Belgium seemed to promise an awful lot in the last World Cup and didn't really quite go all the way. It'll be interesting to see how they do. Again, Eden Hazard, who's their star player, has not had a great year with Chelsea. You know, Germany are the World Cup holders, so therefore they will be strong. Spain, one rather feels, are slightly in decline. So it's really, I think, quite a wide-open tournament. It was, dare I say this on a football programme, it will be a little bit of a tedious tournament because we've got 24 teams playing 51 games in a tournament lasting a month. But in the first pool stage, where everyone plays three games, only eight of the 24 will be eliminated. That means that of the teams that finish third in the group, four of the six of them will go through. It's almost win a game and you're in the knockout stage. Another factor that always seems to happen with World Cups, European Championships, is player fatigue. You know, the fact that the players have just finished a long league season and have gone straight into pre-tournament friendlies, training and the tournament. You know, the players have been playing non-stop since last August. Well, such a busy footballing calendar these days. That's it for the show for this week. But on WhatsApp and on Facebook, tell us who do you think will win Euro 2016. Give us your prediction, plus 447955232780, the WhatsApp number. That's plus 447955232780. Our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in Abuja and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.